is Business Fever NG Podcast, episode 43. This is a podcast where successful food entrepreneurs in Nigeria share the success stories of how they built their brand and the lessons they learned along the way. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Olumide from Barbecue and Cravings. Okay, so uh, thank you again for this opportunity. Um, my name is Lisa, and I, uh, following my question to you about um, wanting to start a virtual restaurant or delivery-only restaurant, um, wanted to know how to go about it in this market. I, I, I wanted to start small. That's within my estate. So... How do I go about having this idea to actually making it, you know, bringing it into inception, from conception to inception? Okay. Um, is it the same as a brick and mortar restaurant? Would I have to do the same things? So that's what I wanted to know. Okay. So, um, it's kind of taking us right now. It's not the same as a brick and mortar as far as your cost wise, because literally you can, the overhead is, yeah. is nothing. So it's a lot lower. Um, I think what, what I was telling you was you probably have to first of all test the assumption that you have that your product, that there's a market for it. And also they're also okay. demanding for it. Now you said within your estate, I think I was suggesting maybe give flyers out. If there's a, like a pharmacy in the area, if there's a um, pharmacy like a laundromat, um, if, if there's an estate like office, you can go there. Okay. Maybe there's like a newsletter you can push, you can push things through. If they're having meetings, like let's say like every last Saturday of the month, there's like an estate meeting. You can go there and uh-huh. say, this is who I am. You know, um, I'm saying, are you selling like per meal, like meal items or like a bowl? Because people have trays, no, for example. It's, it's, it really is, honestly, the, the idea is like it's a restaurant. It's just when you're not sitting down. So it's a limited menu, but then you get to order um, the menu available on the website or the app or whatever it is. It's so it's, the, it's just that you're not sitting, it's not a dining experience. But what I want is truly like a restaurant where you order uh, meals and it's primarily just delivery. That's what it is, but a limited menu to start okay. off with. Okay, so Instagram so is one. I plan to catering in the, in, the, in, the, in the future. Okay, well, Instagram is an easy option you can set up right now. And then I'll say do flyers since you want to do within the estate. Um, again, there are probably area, um, estate gate, estate offices, you know, they might have a list of all the people in the estate or maybe even the security guards at the estate gate can give you flyers out, you know, so you can, you, you can set up an Instagram account, maybe do a website, but really I think Instagram is good enough. Um, have your price, your items on there listed or contact number, and then make some flyers. You can bribe the security guys at your estate at the gate to just give cars. Or you can go to like, I mean, the areas that are like, imagine you live next to like an Ebano that draws people in or there's a big church there. You can have people give flyers at that point in time. So you almost want to make sure that you have an opportunity to um, maximize that marketing uh, reach. And and yeah. if it's a very fancy asset that's more organized, then maybe the, the management can have like newsletters yeah. or like a book SMS to send out. So I would say just, again, Instagram, start off with Instagram and then flyers. And then, you know, obviously there's a back end of, you know, how you're going to cook in scale, like bulk cooking, packaging, yeah. present, um, you know, what's it called? Packaging, delivery options, uh, bank details and all that. So if you, okay, 
if you even want to step back a little bit, register the business if this is what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But you think about that is it also cost. So are you hundred percent sure you want to go into the business? I'm very interested in going into into it. That's you know initially I I envision myself in the future owning a chain of restaurants, and this just seems like a good start into it without like a lot of money. Okay, you know? so I because don't have a it, it's so. almost like. Setting up the business officially, getting a CSE documents, uh, registering the business, bank account, all that's time and money. And it also kind of commits you to like a business name, you know, that might evolve as time goes by. So I would almost suggest that do things unofficially. Now, the only thing is if I was ordering from you and I'm delivering, I'm, I'm making payments to like a personal account. It's not the same as paying into like a business account, you know. Um, so maybe what you can do is you can test it out and maybe only give like a cash option for a while. And then um, as you're getting traction, then you can now, you know, try getting a business name. In fact, you, maybe you should try getting your business name right away because usually when I did mine, I think they require you yeah. to give about five different business names. Do you already have that? No, I, I don't. And that's something I wanted to ask. Like, okay, I've heard the business name versus the LLC or LTD here. I don't know. Yeah. And if it's better to be sole proprietor or setting up an LLC right away, you know, because what I, I want to do is I want to produce food safely and legally. I want to go about it the right way. Like, if personally, I want to know that the person... Uh, I'm buying food from is licensed to do so. So I, I want to go about it the right way. I want to have the necessary certifications and and what have you. I, I just don't know what they are. And okay, so we did, we did, we've done some research on the website, and I think we have a list of all these things. But I can kind of throw some out there that I I remember offhand. Um, now again, it, my reservation is. It's good you want to have to do, you want to do this the legit way all the way through, but like you almost get stuck once you start. So like if you mm. if you choose a business name, let's say you want to go into catering right now. Let's say your business is like um, Olympia's restaurant. And you want to go into catering. Okay. Well, maybe you should have named it Olympia Catering and Restaurant. You get what I'm saying? And so okay. you, you almost have to be sure before you go legal because legal like it's it's tough now. I think I'm a sole pro- I'm probably a sole proprietorship, like a business name, really. Now I have other businesses that are limited liability, but there are tax implications of that. You know, you have to file yearly and all these things, and it's like it's a headache, especially if you just want to be a business person. So it's almost like start small, and then as the business is growing, you have an idea the direction it's taking you into. You know, um, and as far as licensing. I, I yeah. almost want to think that you probably cannot get licensed walking out of the house <laughs> straight up. Mm. You know, I almost want to think that because one, if there's zoning issues and then your kitchen is not commercial kitchen, it's a home kitchen. You get what I'm saying? But um, I don't think, mm. I don't think a lot of Nigerian businesses really work at this level, really deal with that. It's when they now, get to like a bigger stage where you want to go into stores and you may have like a high street area then you have to worry about all the licensing but 
pretty much it's like a health health uh, license for your employees. Um, there's a business name, um, taxes, LIRS and FIRS. Um, so yeah. they, they do like water testing to make sure the water is clean, you know. So there are a lot of yeah, things, yeah. but really, I think, again, this is probably the worst advice I can give you. But if you're trying to do this, like, from the jump, and it's yeah. working out of your kitchen, like in the house, it might turn you yeah. off. Because whatever you, energy you put in right now for your house, when you get a bigger space, it changes as well. You know, um, so I, I would say test it out because... You know, it's easy to say we want to do this business, but like, really, I, I have, from my own experience, I have tried spinning off like maybe three different, four different restaurant menu items, and I've called it a different mm-hmm. brand, and I failed each time. You know, the only successful yeah. I have business right now is the barbecue and cravings. I've done kebabs, I've done uh, burrito bowls, I've done other things, and none of them really worked. Yeah. So, Which brings to my other question. Uh, thank you for that. You see, with the sole proprietorship, what I read was that you're you're not separate from your business. So, if there are any issues, you can be personally sued. You can your assets can be, you know. And we're dealing with food here, you know. So I I I'm always I'm a little um, if you understand what I mean. I'm a little hesitant because. I'm like, okay, I'm not saying that anything will happen with my food, but I, I think you also want that protection as a business that, okay, in case of anything, you're protected, like being, um, not being short-sighted because you want to, it's, it's definitely a cheaper option and I understand what you're saying, but how do you protect yourself so, long term? Can if, you switch? Can you switch from so proprietor so I think, to... I, I think th- you can... I want to say you can. Um, and I think worst case scenario you do is just get a parent company then and then let this be, you know, let it, like, so you get a, a bigger, like, let's say, um, Olympia's a group and I make that as a LL, uh, limited liability company and then I can pull this okay. into that. I think, again, okay. maybe you might want to talk to like a tax person for that, but that's probably an option. Now, in, you know, again, from, I'm, I don't think Nigerians have that litigation system where in America they sue for everything. I think they just don't do business with you. Now, ultimately, even if you're a sole proprietor or your limited liability, whatever the case is, if you have bad product, you're done. Like you can't bounce. Yeah. It's almost hard to bounce back from it. So now the question is, okay, your personal assets. Okay, well, um, fair enough. I, I'm not aware of anyone getting sued and I'm sure it, it happens. But um, ultimately, you know, like, I'm sure I'm going to get to a stage where I would want to sh- move over to that side, you know, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'll be, sh- I'll be curious to know what rate of customers get sued. I think Nigerians just don't do business with you. They would curse you out or maybe get someone to shut you down. And that's it. How many times have you had food poisoning from other places? Like nobody's going, we don't have that culture yet. You know, I have. I've, yeah. I've gotten food poisoning from a major place. I know, but and, did, you, did you sue them? Or you tried to sue them? No, I didn't. I yeah, didn't. It's not. We just don't buy from them again, you know. And even if they're limited, yeah. like, you know, it's that. Even in the States as well, too. Like, so we don't have that litigation culture yet, like I said. But um, if you have those concerns, I would say definitely invest in money and get it right. But make sure that you understand this because you will probably spend a lot of money and realize that, oh, I wish I had done something differently. And that becomes a, 
even business name, for example, like like I was saying, they make you choose like five different business names and they'll, they'll run a report or search to see which one is available. So your first choice yeah. may, may never even be there. You know, now you choose one and you now realize that you want to be a catering, you want to be something else, you know, then what happens? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. there's, there's a term I would use called proof of concept. Make sure that okay. what you want to do, there's market for it. Once you do that, then throw money behind it. You know, um, get a legit. But in your, okay, in your opinion, sorry to cut you off, but in your opinion, don't you think that, for example, what I was saying before is I'm within an estate and it's a well to do estate and you don't really have other, um, the three options other than Domino's or Chicken Republic. I feel like there's a gap and so I could probably come in. You said delivery I, I don't options? have any. Yeah, yeah, like for food, I mean, like, you don't really have, like, if you felt like Chinese, you probably have to go outside of the estate, or if you felt like Mexican or something, you have to go outside of the estate. There there aren't a lot of um, options like you have in uh, maybe other places, you know, in Lagos. Lagos? I I think every area has, so, okay, I listened to, there's a podcast I listened to, and maybe it was like three days ago. They call it the new era, like a touch button era, pretty much. I mean, it was more along the lines that everyone's using their phone to place orders. Um, okay. And Instagram has done that. So literally, there's no asset in Lagos that probably cannot get what they want. So even if I'm all the way in Aja and I see a product in in Maryland, if those companies offer deliveries or if there's a dispatch company I can call, I will get the food to me. We had a customer, we had a rider come into our office. He didn't have a box. He had just a regular mm-hmm. bag and he was delivering to, I want to say Babcock or Convenant University. And I was like, how? Wow. I was like, how? Wow. He's like, he's going to that area. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And we get people asking us to deliver to Abuja. I'm like, we don't deliver that far. It doesn't make sense. Even I don't go to the mainland anyway. So Instagram has changed the landscape. Um, Mm-hmm. anybody can deliver because they dispatch companies right now and everybody has an, most people have an Instagram account. So you want Chinese, they will deliver. You want Amala, they will deliver. You want buggers, they will deliver. So I don't think um, the issue, the problem you're solving is not accessibility to variety for people within that estate because they all have internet access <laughs> straight up. Okay, but with, okay, that brings me to the other concern, logistics, because the model I'm trying to pursue is heavily, you know, logistics is key. If you're saying you're a delivery-only delivery restaurant, then your food service provider is, is you have to get that right. So um, how, for example, if someone has to order through a website or an app, in my case, how do I know the right um, uh, food provider or service delivery company to go through? Do I know that the target audience that I'm, trying to reach is using that uh, app, for example, let's say Jumia Food. For example. I don't know if people order food that way or if it's through WhatsApp. You know, there, there's also, I, I, I struggle because I don't have data. I don't have research information. Nike so it's says like I'm just operating. do it. Forget. There's no, whatever. So I think this is just my own opinion right now. Everything going on right now in, Niger- in Lagos is like, yeah. they're all baby steps. They're yet to be defined. So you don't want to wait till it's fully defined. You want to get in there and almost find your own way. 
So I don't do Jumi. I don't, I, I organize, I manage my own logistics myself. I have my own bags because I wanted to make sure that I was controlling that whole process. And then most companies that facilitate this process, sometimes you yeah. don't own those, they own the customer. So Jumia Foods owns Jumia customers. Exactly. So I will mess But with I don't them. have money to buy a bike or to, to hire someone right so, now. So what do I do? So the one, the other companies that have this, that, that release their bikes out, maybe for like a fee, you know, they can be like, okay, okay for 35,000 a month, I will, will pack a bike by your place. There's a lady we've spoken to who, um, who batches up deliveries. So she takes orders like the day before, maybe by 4 p.m. they've cut out, they cut out, and then she organizes delivery and they deliver. So like maybe, um, there's so many ways around that. So if you, if you can batch up your orders the day before, you know you have 10 deliveries today. So you can hire a bike person and say, come, this is X amount of money. We have 10 deliveries delivered between 12 and 2. That's one example. Another example okay. is, you probably can, uh, this is tricky, but you, maybe you can approach businesses that have bikes who are just idle within a certain time and say, come, I know you have X deliveries down the day. Between these two and a certain time, can you guys do deliveries for me and you get an X amount as well? So that's that. But what I would, I think that's that. I mean, there, there are a lot of dispatch companies you can look at. I will also say that if you want to go into this business, you almost have to buy mm -hmm. a bike at some point. Um, or, yeah, or have people that have bikes because you, know, you want to run small right. errands, um, convenience, even if you're within an S are you allowed to have like Okada's like within that estate? No, no, it's a bar, it's, it's an organized affair, it's a little strict and you know, they have certain policies and certain ways they do certain things. You so probably can't even I guess stay within I, that estate then because you're going to run into issues. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's that you can't. I, I know I probably have to speak to someone to know the right steps to or apply for whatever. You have businesses, you do. But I'm saying you just don't have, you don't see bikes. Like, it's not unruly or it's not so disorganized. What do with cars then? You know, so I, I, wow. That's the issue, the logistics aspect of it is, do you want to start within and the estate or you want to start out of the estate? I want to start within my estate. My estate is pretty big. When you think about the population here, it's there. They're all to do. And they, they, you have people. It's like there's a market. I feel like there's a market. You have a population and you have people with disposable income. Yeah, why would they want to buy so, from you? What, are you? what are you offering differently? What I'm offering, what I want to do is a, like a fusion, like a fusion restaurant, which is different from Yoshia Pizza, Yoshiwama. I, I want to, cause I don't see that here. When I want to order, I don't see it readily available here. That's why I thought, okay, I could probably do something like this. Now, like I, back to what I said about data, I don't know if this is just my assumption or if this is how most people feel. You know, but so you test it out on a small scale. That's it. I mean, because when I had opened a burger joint in 2013 or 12, like my assumption was like, so this is it. They kind of say scratch your own itch, start off with that, and then hopefully okay. you have there's a market for it. But do slow enough and cheap enough that you can walk away from it. Like I said, I opened okay. three different outlets, like smaller outlets, and they've all failed, <laughs> like really all failed because. 
But why do you think that is? I mean, there must have been a common denominator in, what? in each it's narrative. It's time I was trying from. to push products that people did not were not used to. So I wanted to bring an item to the market, a new product. And that usually costs a whole lot of money and a lot of time to convert people into that. So look at, um, you know, it's like, so kebabs, for example, right? Like donut kebabs. I loved it when I was growing up. And I felt like Nigerians who had been abroad would have been to Europe would have at least eaten it once or twice, you know. But yeah. um, what I now realize is the culture abroad is you're walking through stations here and there. So I mean, you have time to walk and eat on the road, you know. Nigeria, we're driving most of the time. And then our culture is different. We're not used to that. So me trying to push yeah. that to a market, no, Xiaomi does that for them already. So what am I going to try to do to try to do that? And then there were issues with like supply chain where how do you get the right kind of bread, you know, um, yeah. yogurt sauces and things like that. So obviously it was too much energy trying to bring a new product to the market. So, so there's a quote that I read recently that says, it says you don't have a right to determine what the market wants, but you have a duty to find yeah. out what they want. Mm. So that, that comes from research, right? That, I mean, ultimately, isn't that some research? Like, don't you have to do a research and then work from that? Or you is, can test assumptions because who's going to? So right now you want to do like, let's say, um, suya shawarma, right? How are you going to re- test it out? There's no research that can give you that. So you just have to test it and see if they buy, and go to and try to figure out who your market is. You know. Now the thing about rich estates, they all have chefs. Straight up, mm. you know, and if you think about the, in fact, rich guys, uh, maybe between 38, actually no, actually 45 to like, let's say 60, do they want to be eating out most of the time? Yeah. What, what, I mean, you know, and then what kind of taste of, so if they're going to eat out, they might go to like George or uh, some kind of nice eco hotel restaurant because they want to experience, they want to have the business meeting. They're not going to sit in the house and start eating, you know, and then if they're in the house, they have a chef who they pay a lot of money who makes food the way they like it. So you're charging like, you know, 4,000 for like four prawns. They can get like that same amount of prawns for like a whole lot less and then add a few more things to it. So when you, when you go deeper into it, that may not be the market. Forget the fact that they even have money, but is that what they want? Now, if you're offering something that's very unique, imagine, I mean, caviar and like a toast that they can't get it anywhere else and you're the only person doing that, then they're going to come to you then. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, so, so that that's it. Like, um, when I opened, I, I was banking on the lo- the traffic from House and Rock Church. So our first location was like directly opposite the church, and okay, we had our customers who also went to the church and they would come to us after church sometimes, but we didn't scratch mm-hmm. any surface at all. In fact, wow. the people who were selling sh- um shawarma and like small shops were making more than us. Because what I realized was most folks after church, my assumption again, they want to get out of church real quick because it's traffic. And they have, and they're with the kids, they want to go somewhere else. And I didn't yeah. have that ambience where it was suitable for families to sit down and just have a great time. So they weren't going to come. And then most folks who were going to be buying stuff on the streets, you know, they mm-hmm. wanted the small shops feel because they can only get it once a week. So that wasn't my market. But that was, and that was not the only reason why I went there anyway. So your market may not be the asset you're in if you're not going to offer them a different product that's unique enough. And that's why it gets challenging to, and you have to test it out. You know, you got to test it out. I mean, maybe it might be like a Saturday morning things that you can only do there because most folks are home with the kids and they don't, maybe they want something different. It might be like a 
Saturday evenings, it might be a game night kind of situation where you have platters for game nights, you know, um, and the benefit of being within that asset is you may not, you're not competing based on price and then they may not, your price points can be, you can have better margins because these are high net worth individuals. Okay, so... Don't make it complicated uh, though, straight up. Don't. Whatever it is you want to do food-wise. Because Nigeria is a very tough place to source things consistently and they change things up on you. You know, so if... And then also employees too will be a challenge. So if you come up with something that is very unique, requires like high um, expensive equipment, you're already at a loss because when that equipment breaks down, who's going to want to fix it for you in Nigeria? So start small, like break it down and then find a niche market that you can serve very well and then they will be the one to let you know how big they want you to grow. Okay. What about taxes? Like if, if how do you go about that? Like if you do register a business name, are you supposed to pay like I read somewhere where it says uh, a year after, some people said six months after. I think I really that six it. months and a year, I think, is for limited liability. They give you like a period of grace. But again, mine is not okay. that. So what I know is that LIRS, which is consumption tax, um, yeah. that's 5%. Uh, federal tax is 5% as well for VAT. That just happened recently, I think. And then uh, there, there's uh, payee taxes, um withholding which is like a fraction of what some employees pay um i think the two major the three major ones the other things that they come and hit you with like local government like uh premises taxes uh, radio and tv licenses but the two major ones lirs Mm -hmm. and uh firs and that's five percent of your of your consumption of pretty much if you make a thousand error then i think 15 error is that it or five no yeah 15 error is what you pay in taxes and you follow that every month before the 22nd i believe and every month like every as month. soon as you start there's an agreement um so let me let me i mean what what where did you what did you grow up that's the question i want to ask you now because i'm not sure you kind of grew up in nigeria no, I I did. I mean, I spent some time outside, but I did okay. grow up here. It's not like I'm a foreigner. I did grow okay. up here. Okay. I, no, I no. Do have okay. Outside. Yeah. I okay. What I was trying to get at is, so most businesses you see, they're not paying taxes. In fact, most online businesses are not paying taxes because how are they going to come and harass you? Now, when you have a brick and mortar, when you have a location, they're going to come after you. So, I am exposed, so they're going to come after me. So I have to get things clean. But if you're doing things online, so most people who do this, want, okay. you can almost go back and say, oh, so let's say you started a business like four years ago and I mm-hmm. have a location. You can go and say, oh, this is a new business, blah, blah, blah. They will hardly go back to four years ago and check your records because they know you're a small business. You know, mm. they'll hardly. And if they do, they want money from you at the end of the day. That's the unfortunate truth. We got audited last year, which was annoying. But like, so... That's the truth. So you can start mm. legit. I mean, I, I'm not trying to make you become a crook. Legit and do everything from day one, you know. But nobody, yeah. and let me rephrase that. Most people who start businesses small do not yeah. go and say IRS or not IRS, LIRS, here I am, you know, I want to pay you money. No. When you start and you're getting bigger and you have a location, 
they're going to come after you but, but ideally you should go to them before they come after you but even if you go to them you're almost exposing yourself because they will start asking you questions because they want money at the end of the day you know so like don't deal with that your biggest problem right now is your, your product is there a market for it and, like, and can they pay the price you want to push it out into the market that's your number one problem okay. that's it that's the in fact that's the only problem you have because you can have all this paperwork all clean you know business name and all that sure. and you cannot sell one error then you're screwed so start off sure. with testing your assumption is there a market for my product and um yeah. how do they want it now the back end we haven't really spoken about is like what it would take for you to set up that business and i think that the way you're making it seem is like it's going to cost a lot of money because you're not doing no fusion stuff for you know using a store well, it's like i said it's very the, the beautiful thing about a virtual restaurant unlike a brick and mortar is that there's many flexibility you can you can also have multiple brands on the one thing it's really very flexible startup isn't astronomical like a brick and mortar and my menu would be limited like let's say i wanted to do four bowls let's say i wanted to do like maybe three sandwiches and four bowls and you could order from it. this is what you order from it's it's limited and you get to see how okay what's moving what's not you change it at a drop of a dime like okay this isn't working i'm moving on from that so i don't envision that it'll be too much uh, the start of the learn as you go along is like your kitchen is only mm-hmm. the, in fact your kitchen is built only for it's not a commercial kitchen at all and your equipment are not commercial equipment so when you're doing things at scale, you, you go to, so imagine you buy, a, you have to cook, let's say like 10 bowls of, in, of uh, spaghetti, right? Your house pot might only take maybe like five, six. And then when you have a bigger pot, your regular stove is not big enough because the, the, the flames is what, much smaller, you know? So now, what I tend to do though, I, like I said, I, I have a storage room that I want to convert into a commercial kitchen. I want to, I do want to get like- And it has good like, ventilation. Um, you gotta you gotta uh, break walls. You gotta open because kitchen gets very hot when you cook, you're cooking for yeah, other people. Yeah, that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, storage yeah. as well. I mean, I, yeah. what you what you can do really is find out some companies that you admire online and order from them and, and try to tr- see how they're doing it. You know, uh, maybe when the dispatch comes okay. to deliver, see if it's like that's a. Good actual delivery company or most people outsource it most folks okay. because it's a headache having your own bike and having your because it's a headache don't i won't get it um, it's a headache i have ordered once or twice from other people and they didn't come with their bikes they just have a company they outsource to you know um so there are folks that can solve that but follow some companies you know restaurants or entrepreneurs order from them see how they're doing it um okay see how they're setting their menu up. Um, some just put out a, a menu in a week in advance and they have cut off times. Uh, in okay. fact, I, I put up a post from Grandier Catering. Um, listen to her podcast because we spoke at length and she's doing the same thing you're doing or you're doing the same thing that she wants. She's doing She's doing the same thing that always had a larger scale of what you want to do. And in okay. fact, forget the product. Look at the processes. Because okay. even if you're selling meat pie, it's the same thing. You, you produce in your house, you get it to customers. So it's how you're going to produce, how you're going to deliver the product. That's all that yeah. matters. It's not what the product is. That's that's optional. 
Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Is any anything else I didn't touch on that you wanted to just like quickly ask about? Yeah, I, I think for me, like I said, it's it's really data that's been the issue for me. There's like, no um, data. There's no data. You can, I mean, there's none. Okay, so how do you know, like, okay, for Uber Eats, for example, right? You know, okay, Uber Eats has a platform. You're going to have, although they take 30%, but the restaurants there know that, okay, I'm being exposed to a large it's uh, audience. I mean, excuse me, like, again, like, really, if... A restaurant understood their numbers, they would not be on Uber Eats. Like they won't. They're squeezing every restaurant out. Thirty percent is are. a huge amount. And then what you, also you don't own those customers. So tomorrow, like right now, okay. You don't. I mean, I, I listen to podcasts in the industry and they'll tell you that. So what they've done is they they've they've almost bullied their way in because you want the mark, you want the volume, but they're not healthy mm-hmm. volumes. You cannot sustain it. And then one day, they're going to push your product to somebody else because maybe they're not, they're not advertising on their site. So True. your market is That's not your market. And you, you have, in, in, in the area we're going in right now, you have to build a one-on-one relationship with your customers. They need to know, this is who I'm dealing with. Not like a catalog of different vendors that you can just pick one. So yeah. I will not personally do Uber. I will not do any aggregate websites. I don't care how much money I can make from it because you're not making money from them. You think you are, but then they will change up in a year or two years. And okay. let me scare you. Some guy said this, like, um, that at some point they will go into being a restaurant. They will go into having their own ghost kitchens because they know. I can see that. Oh, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. I can so that's that. So that's where they're going to. They need to imagine. So now they know that a thousand people in Lagos order pizza. And we know yeah. the route. And let's make our own pizza exactly. open, <laughs> our pizza stall. So that's what's going to happen. So, nah. Um, again, what you're trying to do has been done by different people constantly. Um, don't mm-hmm. overcomplicate it. Research other folks. Buy from them. Check out how they're placing orders online. Some have just WhatsApp group, and they might only be catering okay. to like offices, for example, where they know that between twelve and one o'clock, people are hungry, or twelve and two, that could be that. You know, there's um. Scissor Fist, I follow her. She also she's also on the podcast as well. Not a podcast, but we have a we re- reviewed her, we interviewed her for okay. the uh, site, and she has. Okay. She, I think she said she sent like a like a WhatsApp blast to like a thousand people, and orders a place through that way. You know, so there's there are different ways. It could be emails, it could be WhatsApp, it could be Instagram. Find out find out what works for you. You know. Okay. All right. Great. Great. All right. great. Thank you, Thank you very, very much. much. Yeah. Alright, fantastic. All right. Have a wonderful day. All right. All right, you too. Bye. If you like our show and you want to know more, please check out businessfeverng.com. Share the link with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes. Join us again on Monday for a new podcast. Thank you.